2,000 to 2,500 years old prophecies have provided us with a series of events that would transpire leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. We will discuss the scriptural end-time scenario on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. You know, with the, all of the events going on right now, it can almost become overwhelming. What's going to happen in the end time? What should I be looking for? What has already transpired? All these different events that Almighty God, who knows the end from the beginning, has said, look, here's, what, here's how all this thing's going to play out. And I want you to know what's coming and what to look for because these end-time events put a sense of urgency in me to preach and teach the gospel of the kingdom of God around the world because we're not very far away from the second coming of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to lay out an end-time scenario for you today from a little different perspective than we have before so you'll know what to watch for, what's already come to pass, where we're at on the timeline and so you can help instruct others on what to look for in the very near future. Now, you understand that modern nations were prophesied about in Scripture. The United States discovered the Bible and other modern nations. 650 years before John wrote the book of Revelation, the prophet Daniel was given a vision of four beasts that represented kingdoms or nations that would exist at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. These nations exist right now. Those four beasts described in Daniel 7, 4 through 7, and the modern nations they symbolize were um, a lion with eagle's wings, symbolizing the modern-day nation of Great Britain and the United States. A bear, Russia. The, a four-headed leopard, the modern-day nation of Germany, and the amount of times it ri- has uh, rise and fall, uh, with the, the first, second, third, and the now rising Fourth Reich. A ten-horned beast, back in Daniel 7, symbolizing the reborn Holy Roman Empire or the current European Union. We'll be talking a, l- a lot about that here in just a moment. Well, d- then Daniel 7, 4 through 8 identifies the four beasts. As, as these nations, and then it says in Daniel 7, 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. Now this is at the time of the second coming. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool, and his throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. So this is describing the transition from the kingdom of human governments to the kingdom of God. And the Bible teaches that when Jesus returns to the earth, He will remove all of the human governments 
and He will establish His kingdom on the earth, which shall never pass away and never be destroyed. And then in verse 11, it says, I beheld then, because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast, the future Antichrist, was slain and his body was destroyed and given to the burning flame. So, this is really the salient issue here. If all of these beasts are on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, and that's what these scriptures prove, if the Antichrist is destroyed at the second coming, and that's the fourth beast, or uh, and the other beasts are allowed to live into the millennium, that tells us that all of these nations are going to be on the earth at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And they are here right now. So it gives us a sense of urgency, doesn't it? Hey, these nations are on the earth. They'll be here at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Out of the current European Union, the Antichrist will arise. And when the Lord comes back, He is going to remove all human government, establish His government here on the earth, and He is going to cast the Antichrist and His religious partner, the false prophet, into the lake of fire. Folks, that's just in the very near future now. And you'll see that as I go along. Now, and these are the things we're watching for, and these are the things that you can use to help get others interested in Bible prophecy so that they can understand what to look for in the near future. Now, once we know that the nations are already here on the earth and, and the, the, the modern-day nations that those beasts symbolize, well, then we can explain to people about the new world order or this, this world government that's being created. You understand the new world order, the liberal international order that they're always talking about, that's world government. It's already here, and we're at the culmination of this. We're not at the beginning. This has been being established for years now, decades, really. Well, if you remember the prophecy of Daniel 7, well, then in Revelation, uh, in the book of Revelation, John uses these same symbols of nations to describe the end-time world government. In John's account, the, in Revelation 13, the four separate nations of Daniel 7 have federalized into one large global governing body. And the interpretation would go something like this. John said, As I stood upon the sand of the sea, I saw one singular beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. Upon his horns, which would symbolize the European Union, ten crowns. Upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw, this combo beast, this world governing beast, the body was like a leopard. Of course, Germany is going to be involved. Feet as the feet of the bear, Russia will be there. Mouth as the mouth of the lion, Great Britain is going to be involved. I understand about Brexit, but according to this prophecy, Great Britain will be involved in this. And then the dragon or Satan himself will give this entity its seat, power, and great authority. That's Revelation 13, 1 and 2. So this is simply a 2,000-year-old uh, prophecy of the world government that is currently being established as we speak. And you have to understand Daniel two or Daniel 7 and get that prophecy right, and then other things build on top of that. You could never understand the prophecy of a world governing body in Revelation 13 
unless you understand the interpretation of Daniel 7. Now let's look at kind of a timeline uh, so that you will know where we're at on, on this. And it's actually God's prophetic timeline from the Old Testament prophets to Revelation 22. There's this giant line of just a, a series of events that God prophesied would occur all the way back from Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah and, and, and many others to Revelation chapter 22. And what we do is just follow that huge series of events to let us know we're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I need to have a sense of urgency. I've got to reach this world for the cause of Jesus Christ. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time. Understand how you fit in and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com slash future or call 800 end time. That's 800-363-8463. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. So I wanted you to know kind of where we're at on God's prophetic timeline. Very important. And then we'll get off into some current events and different things. But it, the, I know there's a teaching out there that says the, the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials occur only during the final seven years. But you have to make sure that you understand the book of Revelation is not written in chronologic order from Revelation 4 verse 1 to Revelation chapter 22, the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. If you try to understand it from that perspective, you're going to have the Lord coming back four times and His wrath being poured out four times. Well, of course, we know that that only happens one time in the near future. But these are the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation. And the, first, the, the four seals have already been opened. And the first five trumpets. Let me explain that. 
So, with the first four seals being opened, according to Revelation 6, verse 1 through 8, and Zechariah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8, these prophecies explain that these four colored horsemen symbolize four spirits, which are the four main political and religious ideologies of mankind today. And if you look at them closely, I'm not going to take time to explain all that because I want to make sure I get through all of this today. But we've got many lessons. You can go to endtime.com. A lot of things that explain these different seals, trumpets, and vials. But the first four seals have already been opened. Those are the spirits of um, Catholicism, communism, capitalism, and Islamism. And they're controlling the main ideologies of mankind today. They've already been open years ago. Some of them um, over a thousand years ago. And they've, we've, they've already begun to come to pass. The fifth seal is the Great Tribulation. And the sixth and seventh seal is the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. When the Bible says, Thy wrath has come. So, the, and also, so that's the first four seals. But yet the fifth and sixth seal, obviously they're ahead of us now. The Great Tribulation is just ahead of us. The first five trumpets have sounded, and those events have already occurred. First trumpet, World War I, 1914 to 1918. Second trumpet, World War II, um, 1939 to 45. The third trumpet, the Chernobyl nuclear accident, uh, April 26, 1986. The fourth trumpet was the, the speeding up of time the process of globalization, and the tearing down of the Berlin Wall, 19, uh, November 9, 1989. The fifth trumpet, the Iraq War was Saddam Hussein. That was uh, 90-91. So those five trumpets have already occurred. That's why we say the sixth trumpet war, Revelation 9, verse 13 through uh, 16, that that world war, that's World War III, that's just ahead of us now because... It's a 2,000-year-old prophecy, but yet the first five have occurred in just the last over 100 years. So you can see how fast uh, they're clipping off now. So this Third World War is just ahead of us, and many people are talking about a Third World War scenario as we speak. A lot of them talking about Russia, Ukraine. I tend to believe that that will not be the thing that kicks it off. Obviously, we believe because of Scripture, and I'll hit that in a moment, that it will originate in the Euphrates River region. And um, I, I can explain why. Many, many, you know, and I've got much documentation and everything to help us with that. But the, and then, of course, that's the sixth trumpet. And then the seventh trumpet. The, second, the seventh trumpet is the second coming of Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 11. And, of course, we don't, at this point, we don't know that date either. So those are just ahead of us. But the first five trumpets have already occurred. But if you don't understand the, the segmentation of the book of Revelation in the skeletal structure, then you've got to go back to the traditional belief that, hey, all this has to happen during the final seven years. But you're going to be way off because you, you, simply, you won't understand some of these things if you don't get those, how those prophecies and everything's laid out. That's why it's very important um, that you go through like the Understand the End Time series or a... a the Jerusalem Prophecy College, something to help you 
understand all these things because they all build on top of each other. And if you don't get the foundation of prophecy right, then you're going to be way off when you get over there, like in the book of Revelation, and try to figure some of this out if you haven't hit some of the Old Testament books that lay the foundation for this. The foundation for the world government is laid back in uh, the book of Daniel. If you don't understand the book of Daniel's prophecies, when you come to Revelation 13, you're going to be stuck. And so that's why we cover it all the time and give you updates on how to um, interpret these things. So then that brings us to World War III, this World War III scenario. Revelation 9, 13 through 16. The Bible says, The sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. The four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour a day, a month and a year, for to slay the third part of all of mankind. That's what some translations say. King James Version says uh, the third part of all of men. And the Bible says, And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000, and I heard the number of them. So, number one, we know, according to this prophecy, that this war will originate in the Euphrates River region, within Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. Number two, one-third of the world's population will be destroyed. I've had people ask me, how will we know when this prophecy has taken place, when one-third of the world's population is destroyed? There's, there's no way we would know it before that. So the, it, it, it may kick off in Israel and Iran. I'll give that scenario in just a moment. But then it may draw, it's, it's very likely going to have to draw in some major nuclear powers, if it's Iran's involved, probably Russia and China, or at least China, would come to Iran's aid. And then it's going to involve some of the major population centers overseas, uh, because that's where uh, most of the population is. And to kill one-third of the world's population, if we wiped out all of China, that's only, I think, 1.4 billion, this war will kill 2.6-ish billion people. I don't even like to think about it. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to win people to God. I don't want to think about people being destroyed like this. But this prophecy is in the Bible, and the prophecies always, always come to pass. And then also, we know that there's a 200 million man army that will be involved. So that's either going to be China, India, or the Islam, certainly the Islamic faction on the, on the planet today, because... That's where uh, the, world, the war is going to originate. Probably more than one of these will be involved. And so, you know, I, I again, I, I, honestly, everybody, I don't even like talking about it. Because when you, you know, World War II, I've never lived through a World War situation. I was born in 68. World War II ended in 45. So I've, I've never lived through a World War situation. I, I don't even like to even think about it. But we have to talk about it because it's one of the next things to occur on this giant timeline that God has given us. Now, when we talk about World War III, I want to give you some scenarios here because there's a lot of people talking about this as we speak. And I'm, according to the prophecy and where it will originate, I'm watching Turkey, 
Syria. The thing, Israel bombing Syria. They just bombed um, near Damascus last week, and they hit. Uh, they um, destroyed a lot of the runway at the Damascus International Airport. So they're bombing Iran bases and Iran um, missile uh, depots and different things in the Syrian in Syria. And so because Israel's not going to allow Iran to get a foothold in Syria. They're simply not going to do that because Iran wants to destroy Israel. So to let them get a foothold there in the nation just north of them, it would be like, <coughs> it would be like us allowing Russia to have encampments in along the United States-Canadian border with missiles pointed towards Washington, D.C., and Dallas, and New York, and all of our major cities. I mean, would we allow that? I, I would hope that we wouldn't. I mean, I, you never know about the Biden administration and what they would allow. But I'm just saying, that that's, that's, picture your, that's what's going on with Israel right now. Iran wants to destroy Israel. And they're not going to allow them to get a foothold in Syria or Lebanon or anywhere else. So, the Israel Hayam, they reported that the U.S. Congress is pushing for a regional defense pact between Israel and the Arab states. What's that all about? It's all about Iran. The Defense Act would require the Pentagon to submit a strategy for an integrated air and missile defense system to protect relevant countries in the Middle East from cruise and ballistic missiles, manned and unmanned aerial systems, and rocket attacks from Iran. That's the goal of all of this. Because Israel is now under central command, uh, the United States Central Command, in the Middle East now. So they're all working together. And the Deterring Enemy Forces and Enabling National Defense Act would authorize the U.S. Defense Department to cooperate with Israel, Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, and the entire Gulf Corporation Cooperation Council in defense against Iran. Representative Brad Schneider, he actually said, uh, he said this a few days ago, he said, today, Iran is on the one-yard line when it comes to a nuclear program. Iran's missile capabilities are a threat to the entire region, not just Israel. They want to destroy Israel, but they've been attacking, and I'll talk to it here in a minute about, they've been attacking many places in the region and around the world even. U.S. leadership can stand up to Iran and foster peace in the region by providing integrated missile defense through the DEFEND Act. The Times of Israel reported that the legislation would authorize the U.S. Defense Department to cooperate with these nations. Again, Israel, Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, the entire Gulf Cooperation Council, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Qatar, Oman, Kuwait, to develop and implement an integrated air and missile defense architecture to defend against these Iranian threats. So you can see really what's going on here and what Israel and the United States is working to create simply a a deterrent against the Iran's moves across this Middle East region, trying to take over that, and then the world. They believe that Israel and the United States is their great deterrent from them being able to take over the world and implement their version of Shiite Sharia law globally. That's what they want to do. And so they want to wipe the Israel off the face of the map and they want to wipe the United States 
Now, imagine them being a number one state sponsor of terrorism, getting a nuclear weapon. Many people are saying they already have enough enriched uranium to, ha- to get a bomb, but they need to, there's some other things that they would need to do, but they're, like this uh, representative just said, they're on the one-yard line. They're right there, folks, within weeks or months. And so Israel's not going to allow that to happen. The Daily Beast ran an article over the weekend that this scenario could be the next big war that grips the entire world. They said the ongoing war between Israel and Iran across the Middle East came out of the shadows and into the open long ago. But now, on the back of several suspected Israeli attacks inside Iran itself, this deadly contest threatens to escalate possibly beyond the region even. And a lot of people may not know about all of those things that Iran has done. Last week, several quadcopter drones smashed into a a suspected Iranian nuclear research and drone facility in Parchin, killing one engineer. And then days before that, two assassins on motorbikes were shot dead and an Iranian military colonel uh, in the heart of Tehran. So back in February... Several drones hit an Iranian unmanned aerial vehicle and that base in the west of the country of Kermashah. And although never officially taking responsibility, of course, various subtle hints by Israeli officials and media reports have left little doubt as to the provenance of these attacks. And so this is all part of what the Israeli government just under a year in power, Naftali Bennett and Yair Lapid, has come to describe as its octopus doctrine. It's a new and risky expansion of its campaign against Iran's military and nuclear capabilities. And, you know, if in years past Israel did hit inside Iran, which we know that they have, it was done covertly, usually through spies and cyber attacks and things, and almost always targeted Iranian nuclear scientists and facilities. And for almost a decade, too, Israel has made no secret of its campaign of airstrikes, primarily inside Syria, which what they just did last week, and against Iranian allied militias and weapons shipments. But now, Israeli officials have openly described a new defense strategy aimed at the head of the octopus octopus in Iran. Not just the tentacles across the region in places like Syria, Lebanon, Gaza, and Iraq, but now Israel has said, okay, we're done dealing with the tentacles of the octopus. Now we're going to go after the head, Iran, which funds all these proxies. And we'll talk about it more when we get back. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, End-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, some of you might be thinking, well, hey, Dave is saying that the Iran war, the Israel-Iran war is going to be the event that kicks off the World War III. At this point, folks, I do not know. I'm just going to be honest with you. I watch this all the time, and I, I, I know about Turkey and Syria and Iraq and what's happened there over the last several years. Nothing really compares to this Iranian situation. And that's why I watch that and talk about it a lot. For many years, the Iranian regime has carried out uh, terrorism against Israel and the region via their proxies. But for some reason, this head of the octopus, Iran itself, has enjoyed immunity. Israel Prime Minister Naftali Bennett has said in a speech yesterday that the era of immunity for the Iranian regime is over. Over the past three decades, Iran and Hezbollah in particular have struck Israeli and Jewish targets in, listen at this, Latin America, Eastern Europe, and Asia. A lot of people don't know about that, including a pair of devastating truck bomb attacks in Buenos Aires back in the 90s that hit the Israeli embassy and a Jewish cultural center And there was a suicide bombing attack against Israeli holiday makers in Bulgaria in 2012. And an attack the same year in New Delhi that injured an Israeli diplomat. So it's not just the right there around Israel. It has spread out. And these are the tentacles that they're talking about. But now they're saying we're done. Naftali Bennett is saying we're done with the tentacles. We're going to deal with the head of it all. And that's Iran. Now, remember the scenario of World War III. Let, the, let the, the four angels bound in the great river Euphrates. They're going to be loose to kill one-third the part of all of mankind. And now we've got a decades-old conflict that's been brewing, and it's been boiling and boiling. Well, now it looks like it's about to boil over. According to Israel officials and security analysts, all of these types of targets globally are now believed to be in Iran's crosshairs. Uh, Now, 
And Israel leaders have repeatedly said that they will, they will not be constrained or beholden to any renewed nuclear deal between Iran and the United States, which is on really put on the back burner right now, or should I should say stalled. And the, but Israel is saying the prospects of which appear highly uncertain at the moment, and in other words, the octopus doctrine, as they're calling it, will continue regardless, possibly in conjunction with a steadily expanding Iranian nuclear program. Iran, Israel's not going to allow that to happen. Joe Biden may not be willing militarily to stop that at this point, but Israel's not in the same mindset. Israel's Israeli confidence regarding the, this high bar to a major war breaking out in the Middle East will certainly be put to test. Now, that's the war situation as we look at it today. Israel is, knows they're about to get a, a nuclear bomb and they're never going to allow that to happen. Well, so that's something we need to be watching in the near future. We need to be talking about, we need to let people know what's coming because, you know, honestly, folks, let's just be transparent here. Nobody's promised tomorrow. And, you know, you say, Dave, I'm dealing with high gas prices and inflation and all this other stuff. No, I got that. I'm, I'm buying the same, I'm buying gas at the same pump you are. I live in the same world you do. I'm dealing with all the high grocery prices and everything. But at the end of the day, you can't get so wrapped up in the, the you know, the, the, the uh, chaos of today that I don't make sure that I'm getting myself ready should the Lord come for me tomorrow morning. You say, I, Dave, I understand all that, but, you know, he's never come for me yet. Well, I, I got that. I understand. But I'm here to be a voice in your life that says, listen, we do need to watch for all these things. It does put a sense of urgency that the Lord's coming very soon. But I deal, I've been in ministry a long time, and I've dealt with a lot of people that are, are a part of our ministry, partners, different people that uh, send me information, are just people everywhere. People are friends in Israel and around the world. And occasionally, I'll get a call from a wife or a husband or somebody and say, hey, so-and-so has passed away. And I've known them for decades. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I, they were just healthy. And uh, I, I may have talked to them a couple months ago on the phone or they just sent me an email the other day. But somehow, the Lord said, it's your time. And so I just want to, in, in the midst of all this chaos, I want to make sure that all of us are prepared should we not wake up in the morning. You say, man, Dave, you're getting kind of gloomy. I'm, I'm telling you the absolute truth there, folks, because I've, went to, I've had to show up to funerals where somebody passed away in the night and, and a week before everybody just thought they were super healthy and something happens. And so I just want to be a voice in your life that makes sure you know what's super important in your life and that's preparing to meet the Lord, whether it's tomorrow morning or whether it's a few years from now when the rapture occurs, okay? Let's just keep that at the forefront of our mind because I'm into, I'm into building the kingdom of God here on the earth and making sure people are prepared for the second coming. Very, very important. Now, on this big timeline that we're creating, I want to talk about Israel's past and future. What's going to happen? Well, there is no denying Israel's biblical and historic ties to the promised land. A lot of people are um, denying that even Israel even has a right there today. But God chose Mount Moriah, which is the current Temple Mount, 
2,000 2000 B.C., 4,000 years ago now, when he instructed Abraham to go there to sacrifice his son Isaac. Then around 1,000 B.C., King David moved Israel's capital from Hebron in the south up to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem then remained Israel's capital for 1,070 years until the Romans drove the Jews out of the city in 70 A.D. Well, during David's, King David's reign, God instructed him to buy the Temple Mount as a place of sacrifice in the exact same place which God had sent Abraham for his sacrifice. And in 2 Samuel 24, 24, we're told that David purchased the Temple Mount from Arana the Jebusite for 50 shekels of silver. Well, King David's son, Solomon, built the first temple up on the Temple Mount and he completed it Man, when uh, 968 B.C. And during the dedication of Solomon's temple, fire supernaturally fell from heaven on the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And this divine event forever solidified in the Jewish mind God's approval of the temple on the Temple Mount as the center of Jewish life. The Lord appeared to Solomon at the night uh, after the dedication and said, I have heard thy prayer, Solomon, and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. That's Second um, Chronicles seven twelve. And then he said, For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be here forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Then Second Chronicles thirty three seven states that not only will God put His name in the temple, but also His name will be put in Jerusalem forever. Jerusalem is the only city on earth in which God said He would put His name there forever. But then people today say, Oh, Israel has no right to this. You're going against God if you do that, and I certainly would not do that. So with this pronouncement from God, the wars over Jerusalem began. And, you know, it appeared as if Satan said, well, hey, if you want your name here, then that's exactly where I want my name. And since that time, there have been more wars fought over the city of Jerusalem than any other city on the planet. And this spiritual battle is still being waged today. And the final battle on earth, the battle of Armageddon, will be fought over this very issue right here. Who controls Jerusalem? It's a spiritual battle. And then, so the first temple era went from 968 B.C. to 586 B.C. The second temple era, 516 B.C. to 70 A.D. when uh, Jerusalem was destroyed and the temple was destroyed. And then we had, after 78 A.D. or 70 A.D., there were 1878 years of exile. And after Hitler's horrible holocaust, the United Nations decided it was time to give the Jews a place that they could call home. On November 29, 1947, the UN voted to partition the Holy Land into two nations, the Israel nation and the the nation of Palestine. But the Israelis accepted this argument, uh, I'm sorry, this um, agreement, But the Arabs rejected it and started a war the very next day. 
And this is when the Third Temple era began. The vote was agreed on November 29, 1947, and Israel declared independence on May 14, 1948. Now, the Arabs obviously again refused a partition launching a war to destroy the newborn nation of Israel. And when a ceasefire was declared in 1949, Israel controlled West Jerusalem and Jordan illegally occupied East Jerusalem, including where the Temple Mount's located, and the West Bank. Well, Israel immediately adopted Jerusalem as its capital because it was. Almighty God actually said that it would be their capital forever. I'll put my name there, and I've given you this land. So it lasted, it lasted like, it was just like that scenario until the, uh, 1967. In 1967, the Six-Day War broke out. Jordan launched an attack against Israel, and Israel counterattacked and drove Jordan out of Jerusalem all the way back across the Jordan River and created the current boundaries of Israel that you see on a map. Now, the Bible prophesies, you say, well, what's going to happen in the future? Well, Israel may be involved in World War III somewhat, but she will not be wiped out. I don't even believe that it will come to, it, you know, maybe it could reach the, the doorstep of Israel, but Israel's still going to be intact according to Bible prophecy all the way to the Battle of Armageddon. So the Bible prophesies in the future a peace agreement. It's Daniel 9.24 that will be reached between the Israelis and the Palestinians. And when this agreement is concluded, it will trigger a seven-year period that will culminate at the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus to the earth. Some of the provisions in this peace agreement will be that there's going to be a Palestinian state created. And it's commonly referred to today as the West Bank. And these are the things we're watching in the near future. These are going to happen. Jews presently living in that uh, Palestinian state will be permitted to stay there, living as a Jewish minority under that Palestinian government. The temple will be placed under a sh- the temple mount placed under a sharing arrangement between Jews and Muslims, and Israel will be allowed to build its third temple without disturbing the Dome of the Rock of the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and the international community will supervise this sharing arrangement. And negotiations concerning the status of Jerusalem will reach an impasse. And therefore, a final agreement on that issue will be postponed for seven years. And with the understanding that it would be dealt with at that time. And in the interim, Israel will retain control of all of Jerusalem. So it's very important that we understand these are the things that we will see in the near future. When we get back from the break, I'll, I'll go through some more of this end-time scenario. And then we'll, if we have time, we'll get off into the Holy Roman Empire because there's some major things happening with that as well that you need to know about. I've been part of the end-time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. So the under that peace agreement, the Temple Mount will be placed under a sharing arrangement, allowing Israel to build her third temple. And then we also know that Israel will retain control of Jerusalem all the way to the end of that. And so these are the things that we're looking for under the future peace agreement. Of course, Israel, the, the, once the, uh, the temple is built, on, as a result of this peace agreement, Israel is going to be allowed to build her third temple. Once that happens, sacrifices will begin again, and the Antichrist, halfway through that final seven years, will stand in a rebuilt Jewish temple proclaiming to be God, and he's going to cause those sacrifices to cease. Of course, that event begins, that's the, the, one of the events that is the catalyst that will launch us into the final three and one half years, which is the Great Tribulation. That's when the mark of the beast is doled out. That's when the Antichrist and false prophet will be leading the world government. And that culminates at the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. That's that final seven year. Once the peace agreement is signed between the Israelis and the Palestinians, that'll mark the beginning of the final seven years, the end of the final seven years, second coming of Jesus Christ, battle of Armageddon. Now, don't forget that in the midst of this, the Holy Roman Empire is going to be the entity that is the center of world power in the end time. The prophecy of the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire has been fulfilled with the signing of the Lisbon Treaty back on November 3, 2009. And it's talked about in Revelation chapter 2 as the feet of iron mingle with clay, but it's also in Revelation 17. In Revelation 17, it pictures the governmental system of this reborn Holy Roman Empire as the beast with seven heads and ten horns. It all shows in Revelation 17, 3, it shows a woman riding on the back of the beast. This woman is the symbol of the end-time false religion and the leader of that. And the beast she is riding on is the symbol of the world governmental system. It's a, this, this, this is the union of politics and religion on a global scale, world government and a world religion that are united together working for one common cause, and that is to get all the nations of the world to, or the religions of the world, to, to bow down into allegiance to this world governing body and the Antichrist, along with everybody else whose name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The Bible says most of the people on the earth will follow after this entity. So the ten horns and the ten toes, the ten horns in Revelation 17, the ten toes in Daniel 2, in this prophecy, symbolize the ten-nation union. And out of this ten-nation union that will be from the reborn Holy Roman Empire or the European Union, the iron mingle with clay and the Antichrist will rise up and uproot three kings. So uh, there's a picture, uh, a statue outside the European Parliament building 
in Brussels, Belgium, of the woman, Europa, and it's riding on the back of a bull. Well, this is, the, this is similar to the description of the woman riding on the beast in Revelation 17, 3. And it's just catty corner from this Charlie Mang building, uh, which is there. It lets, it's one of the ways they, that we know they're recreating the uh, Holy Roman Empire. So this Holy Roman Empire, it's already been reborn. It's prophesied about. There's a, a big, um, th- there's a giant prophecy concerning the rebirth of the Holy Roman Empire. I've got a big article on it coming out in the July-August edition of End Time magazine. And you guys that are subscribed to End of the Age Plus, you'll be able to read that as well. So the Antichrist and the false prophet, they cannot be very far behind because it's just been established in November of 2009. And this is the entity that will is the origin of the Antichrist and the false prophet. So the power base of the Antichrist is now established and awaiting their arrival. Now, with the understanding of these prophecies in mind, the question then becomes, well, what does the future hold? Well, prophecies foretell this ten, these ten nations from the EU will form an alliance with the Antichrist in the last days. Currently, there are 27 member nations. Revelation 17, 12 through 13 states, And the ten horns, symbolizing these ten European nations, which thou sawest are ten kings, which have not received a, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. Now, these have one mind and, and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Well, how does this alliance develop? That's one of the questions I've gotten. And so Europe continues to coerce their member nations to yield up more and more of their sovereignty to the parliament building in Brussels, Belgium. Some EU nations are willing to fully integrate. But then there are others that are dragging their feet and because they're unwilling to yield up their nation's sovereignty. And to solve this issue, many have floated the idea of a two-tiered European Union. I've talked about that before, but um, back on September 12, 2016, the Financial Times published an article titled, A Two-Tier Model to Revive Europe. And it's, this scenario is exactly what they're talking about. The article actually states, and I'm quoting, The first tier could press ahead with much closer political integration, pursuing this long-standing goal of ever closer union in Europe. They're wanting to create really a European superstate, a United States of Europe. But they need the nations to yield up their sovereignty so they can have one big state. Well, the countries, the, and I'm continuing to quoting in the article, the, the, the countries on the second tier would restrict themselves to participation in the single market and cooperation on foreign and security policy. And this two-tier approach could potentially meet the needs of both federalists and Eurosceptics. A two-tiered policy. Well, you know, perhaps it will be 10 of the fully integrated federalist nations or the top tier that will align themselves with the future leader of Europe to run the world. And 
the, the Financial Times article continues. It says, creating two tiers of membership would allow the union as a whole to continue to fulfill its two most important missions, preservation of the single market but of all the nations and the projection of European interest on the world stage. Remember, these central world powers will swing from the United States, which kind of really dominates the world, at least up until Donald Trump took over. But now these central powers are going to swing to Europe before very long. So a two-tiered EU would also potentially solve a future Brexit or uh, the British exit from the EU. Uh, Because the United Kingdom could certainly have been placed in their second tier rather than leave the block outright. It could have solved that issue. And this is just one of the many scenarios that could lead to this final ten-nation alliance with the Antichrist. It will be, the, these nations will be fully integrated into the, U, the EU mindset, which is the model, the model for world government in the earth. And then the other ones, they're going to be left on the second tier, not fully integrated because they don't want to yield up all of their sovereignty, but they want to participate in the, uh, the one market plan. So there is another major transition prophesied to occur in the end time. I mentioned earlier that the reborn Holy Roman Empire, European Union, will rule the end time world government at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Well, at the time of, um, I should say currently, they do not hold that position, right? However, after the the major anti-liberal order um, shifts under President Trump, which saw the United States withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And, you know, President Trump, he just really didn't want to play ball with this world government. And so he withdrew us from the Trans-Pacific Partnership, the Paris Climate Agreement, the UN Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, or UNESCO. He pulled us out of the Iran nuclear deal or the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. He moved our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. He uh, recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. That is all anti-world government moves by President Trump. And Europe was watching this and saying, hold on a second. I thought the United States was the leader of this liberal international order and was a partner with the European Union. And we were working together towards that end. But now President Trump said, "Ah, we're out of this. And then that, along with the weakness shown by President Biden's administration, including the embarrassing initial summit with China, the surrender of the energy independence, the searing defeat in Afghanistan, the inability to secure our southern border even, the destruction of the U.S. economic security, and, you know, the list goes on and on. Well, Europe is sitting there watching this. And so Europe has found itself looking to really fill the vacuum that is left by the United States on the global stage. So it's one of the ways that the power shift could occur from the United States over to Europe, which is exactly what the Bible prophesies is going to happen. Another way that I can prove the, the Europe will be the center of power in the end-time world government scenario is to look at the beast that we talked about earlier, which symbolized nations in Revelation 13. 
Every single nation, the European Union, Russia, Germany, uh, Great Britain, they're European nations. Russia, west of the Ural Mountains, is considered European Russia. They're European nations. So it's another way to prove that the, these central powers, these world-governing powers, will swing over to Europe. Now, what event could be so devastating that the current reins of global governing power would shift to Europe? Well, at this time, we don't know what will be the event that triggers this transition of global power. However, there's one thing we must keep in mind. And we, 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 I just spoke to you earlier about a war that is coming that will kill one-third of the world's population. We're not sure of the, the role Europe will play in that war. However, according to the prophecy of the reborn Holy Roman Empire, we do know that after that war, the central world power is going to swing to Europe and the Antichrist and false prophet will rule the world for three and one-half years, that final three and one-half years, prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ and the Battle of Armageddon. So that's another way we can prove that these, this power shift will happen and move from the United States over to the European Union, which is the reborn Holy Roman Empire. It's all a fulfillment of Bible prophecy, everyone. And we're watching it happen right before our very eyes. And it's almost breathtaking, breathtaking at the... Um, at the, the pace that this thing is moving forward. And then, you know, then uh, many other prophecies. you got the sixth trumpet, or I'm sorry, the, the uh, 666, the mark of the beast. Things to be watching for. Cashless and digital societies, central bank digital currencies, facial recognition photographs, retinal scans, palm scanners, social security scores, uh, social credit scores, national ID cards, pandemic lockdowns, embedded microchips, invisible tattoos, and global numbering systems. They're all precursors to and part of the societal conditioning agenda, setting the stage for the eventual economic sanctioning system, commonly referred to by those that study prophecy as the mark of the beast. Folks, it's all happening right now, and we here at End Time Ministries, End of the Age, will keep you up to date every single day. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 